Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 81. I am your host, Ken. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, TED Talk extraordinaire and self-help book author of uh, two incredible books, uh, the first of which many of you already know, uh, Be All the She That You Can Be. And, <laughs> and the second one, Lies Women Tell Themselves. Clint Jones. Clint, uh, how is it going in the world of uh, feminist pioneering? I'm slowly helping the masses um, just come into the 21st century. Good. So I, I think I'm doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I think I am. The Lord's work. I don't know. I um, I woke up in the middle of the night last night giggling at the, all the she that you can be. <laughs> <laughs> all the she that you can be. Okay. Yeah. I, I think yep. it's going to change lives. I do. I, I do. I yeah. really do. I think it's opening young girls' hearts and uh, opening women's eyes to to where they could have been all along. Right. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's affecting some older women too who are like <laughs> just trying to go through, you know, the later stages of life. And um, yeah, I surprising think, menopause crowd for these, these books. Yeah. Mm. Even though it wasn't really geared towards them, it yeah. was a younger market. It was a YA kind of <laughs> novel. And, uh, but they're getting something out of it. So yeah. I'm happy about it. It's right. money in my pocket. Well, we're just glad you're here and you haven't gotten too famous for us. No. Uh, so today is a, is a fun little episode. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. And it got delayed, but uh, we are shamelessly ripping off uh, Kieran Culkin's uh, idea of dangerous bangers. This is something that he does with his friends. Yeah. And it's the idea of watching movies that you've been scared to revisit because you love these movies once upon a time, but you're worried they're not going to hold up. So I, I have some new names for oh, this. Excellent. And uh, it's kind of... Um, to kind of downgrade it a little bit too, because there's some of these that I didn't feel were dangerous. They were okay. just more of a curiosity thing. So okay. the first one, and like, I didn't mean this to sound as bad as it does. <laughs> um, so this is like a lower level from Dangerous Bangers, and this is Risky Knockers. <laughs> That's, no, no. <laughs> Uh, no, vetoed. <laughs> no, that this is okay. You, you can I'm not going to say risky knockers eight times on this podcast. Well, you can determine is it, this one's right, like right. determine if it's a risky that one, knocker. That one feels like we're going to get letters and emails. No, we well, I mean, it's you, you're up to you to decide. Okay, okay. So some of mine are risky knockers. Okay. And then, um, the one downgrade below that is even a, a cautious, uh, <laughs> a cautious dinger. <laughs> So, I like cautious dinner. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a fan of risky knockers, but okay. Well, you can say that eight times on this podcast, but I'll tell <laughs> I've you already what, said I won't it like six. So. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, cautious dingers. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so let's get started. We are going to what you watching about uh, some of these that we've just watched on our own, and then uh, later in the episode we will be talking about uh, three films that we agreed to both watch: uh, The Ring. Uh, the the American remake, the original Ring. Not the Ringu. Not the Ringu. Uh, and then Donnie Darko and The Curious Case of One Sir Benjamin Button. Mm -hmm. And so let's get started. Clint, what you watching about this week? Well, I had a big list. And so, and it was slowly growing as more came into my mind mm -hmm. of ones that I kind of forgot about and thought, oh, yeah, that actually is kind of, you know, either a risky knocker or a cautious dinger. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about is actually District 9. Mm, from Neil Blomkamp. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, and I hadn't watched this in quite a while. I know I watched it more than just seeing it in the theater. Mm -hmm. 
And I was more curious about it because of how his career has gone mm-hmm. and how I've felt about his movie since. Which we both agree has been kind of a downhill slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was just wanting to see if there was hints in there of things like to kind of tell the future of his like okay. of his career and what he um, thinks of, or, you know, aspires to put in his films. And um, for the most part, this one still holds up pretty okay. well. Um, there's still a lot of really fun, um, kind of like social commentary in it and like the effects still hold up pretty well. It was surprising. Like from when this, when this came out was like, uh, when did this come out? It was like 2011 or something like that. Um, and I will say there, the whole premise of this being kind of a found footage documentary thing mm-hmm. doesn't work at all. Okay. It, that has not aged well at all, especially because of how quickly he just gives up on it. Yeah. Like he is all in it. It's really great at the beginning when he's doing this, but then like it kind of becomes where it's not um, – not working thematically and narratively for him. So it he starts just like, to get in the way. It gets in yeah. the way. So, man, I really thought like if he had totally committed to it and gone, you know, like when documentaries do like reenactments and like they mm-hmm. have a different actor yeah. playing, Charlotte Copley should have been playing the reenactment version uh, and the documentary stuff have should have been another actor, like a very normal kind of guy. Yeah. And especially with how that character is, he's kind of over the top. Like if in the the documentary like reenactment footage, which is the the whole narrative part of it, because it's kind of like them narratively filling in the gaps and like them saying what they thought was going on. Like yeah. he could have been an over the top character, yeah. and man, if they had committed and done that, that would have been just put this movie like on another level for me. But it's still a fun movie. I um, it doesn't hold a place in my heart as like. Like it did when first seeing it, but yeah, um, it's still good. I I wish his career kind of stayed on that steady path a little bit. Um, it kind of makes me want to just maybe revisit Elysium just to see if maybe I grow on that one a little bit more. With I have revisited it and I did not grow. Okay, on it. I, I soured figured, on it. But. I figured that might be the case, but just kind of curiosity. Um, maybe I will. That that might be a uh, you know a cautious dinger. I'll go yeah. into that one. Yeah. So what about you? Uh, my first one, I just decided to go right out of the gate uh, <laughs> with uh, one of my favorite films as as a kid. Uh, and this was the first R-rated movie that I watched mm-hmm. uh, that my parents did not slam the stop button on, uh, you know, at some point through it. And it's, yeah. and it's uh, 1990s Navy SEALs. Mm. This is from director Louis Teague. It's got Charlie Sheen, Michael Bean, Bill Paxton, Dennis Haysbert. Uh, this is uh, an 80s movie through and through, even though it was released in 1990. And I will I will just go out on a limb. I've always had great love for this movie. And, you have. Uh, You've brought it up so many I times. I really have. And in Clerks, Kevin Smith kind of famously took a shot at this movie. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, why it's remembered is because of that <laughs> stupid line in Clerks. Uh, but it was fair mm-hmm. because this is as 80s as 80s gets yeah, yeah. for an action movie. And this has all the action tropes in it. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, and I will stand by it. Yeah. This is a better movie than Top Gun. This is a better <laughs> movie than this is a better movie than so many of the uh, 80s and early 90s actioners that everybody talks about and just holds in high regard. This thing holds up. Yeah. And, and I will I will fight on it to my dying day because every time I revisit this movie, and it's it's been quite a 
quite a minute since yeah. since I watched it last, and I just I love this thing. Yeah, it uh, it's so much fun, and it has all the things that a movie like this should have, and uh, it's just it's it's pure eighties uh, kind of over dramatized cheese. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But again, <laughs> it's it's in the exact same style as the original Top Gun. It's it's that mm. kind of movie. Because I would say like um, that because I just watched that for the first time yeah. recently, and that's like quintessential like eighties fare. Right quintessential, there. but I I just I don't think it holds up as well. I, yeah. I think Navy I Seals it was good. Navy Seals is really great. It's yeah. got some some great humor in it. It's got great action. Hmm. It's uh, it's it's surprisingly a better film. Yeah, and then I think anybody would suspect from this thing, but it's just about a team of Navy SEALs going and and doing the Lord's work. And I, you know. I'm wondering if you can step away from it though. I don't know because don't it's know. so tied to you, and you it, think it so is. highly of it. It is, but I really tried to watch it objectively this time yeah. from new eyes, and I just it's it's not that it's not that I don't understand why it's been forgotten. Yeah, uh, it only made 25 million at the box office, and just. It didn't take off like a, a Top Gun did. But when mm-hmm. I go back and I watch it compared to a Top Gun, Top Gun has so much more cheese and and kind of dated 80s tropes and, mm-hmm. and things like that. This has got it. It's got an entire uh, scene where the, the boys are off the grid and just hanging out and driving around in golf carts, playing golf with some really high shorts. And <laughs> the boys are back in town is playing at full blast. It's, uh, you know, it's got those moments. Yeah, I would say because Top Gun has that exact scene. Was this before or after Top Gun? I believe this was slightly after Top Gun. I think Top Gun came out in 86. So you don't think it's trying to ride those coattails? No, it definitely is. Okay. It 100% (laughs) is. But it rides those coattails like nobody's business. Okay. and just like uh, surfs along them. Yeah, Yeah. it really does. So what what you got next? Another movie. This one I was – man, this was in my – like rotation just nonstop when when it came out after for quite a while. And I when I stopped, I was kind of a little afraid to revisit it just to be, I don't know. I I, I was afraid that it didn't live up to what I wanted it to be. And that is Fight Club from 1999, David Fincher's Fight Club. Oh man, you really took some risks. Okay. I did. And um I think this one still holds up a lot but it's weird watching this one again just in the light of um like everything that's gone on since then yeah. just like politically and like socially mm. like like it it's almost in that v- same vein as like the matrix where it's kind of been commandeered by the wrong group of people and yeah. you could see them using it as this like where they mantra. miss out on the satire, right? Exactly, in the in like whole the whole um narr- like the through line of Edward Norton's character, where he's coming to terms with like everything that he's done is not the right thing. Yeah. After he's revealed that you know he's Tyler Durden, sorry, sorry, spoilers if spoilers. you haven't. But so I, that was just a weird thing to have in the back of my head. But it was kind of fun revisiting it and like kind of having like. You know, like I, I after I had this thought, I looked it up, and it was not a new thought. People had thought this, but like Helen Bond Carter thinking that she's also part of yeah. his psyche. Um, I never really thought about that before until this, and like you could actually see it that way, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a fun through line to look at and um, explore while watching it, and, and seeing that stuff in it was fun. Um, but just that the whole like I was just com- completely plagued by that idea of like 
people taking the wrong message from this yeah. now and just, I don't know. Well, you of, could just watch the first half and make it, even in the time it came out, there were people doing that where they would just take the first half and like, ah, this movie gets me. And this movie, like, no, watch the second half. Right. This, yeah. is, this is definitely not what you think it is. This is not purporting to to uh, elevate this lifestyle. Right, this darker side of like masculinity yeah. and stuff is not something that you should be aspiring yeah. to do. You should be like, horrified You by should this. be horrified yeah. in this whole, uh, possibly that this is, I don't know, this subculture that's actually going on. And it, yeah. it is, especially when you, 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 you see everything in the news is happening and mm-hmm. like these like right-wing groups that are springing up all over the place. And it's just like, I think they, I don't know. Took this to heart a little bit too much in the wrong message. I think they've been watching Venture Wrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but it's still a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I watched 2000's The Cell. Uh, This is from Tosim. And uh, this was one I remember catching in the theater. It's the only time I've watched it, Mm. I think. I caught it in the theater when it first came out. And this was my first exposure to kind of the visuals uh-huh. of of his direction. Yeah. And and I still, his visuals are are incredible. He was yeah. a music video director. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some of the stuff he does in this really holds up. Mm-hmm. This is not a good movie. I'll just cut right to the chase. Well, it always felt it, like a lower... Uh, you just hear of um, uh, the land... Uh, what's it? Um, Sorry. The Land Before Time? Land Before Time. <laughs> no, um, never mind. I'll, okay. It'll come to me in a minute. That's fine. It, it's it's one where... Silence um, of the Lambs. There you go. There you go. It, yeah, if you took Silence of the Lambs and combined it with Inception, yeah, yeah. you get the cell, but that's really overselling the cell. Yeah. Um, it was it was pretty torn apart when it first came out. It had, I think it still has like a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes and a low IMDb score. Mm. But I remember seeing it in the theater and being very defensive of it. Yeah, and, I liked it a lot. And just when being it came taken out. by the visuals, and there's there's still stuff to like. Yeah. It's it's by no means something that you know did not go back on my shelf. Yeah. After I watched it, it it has a lot of um, kind of early stuff. It's just it's dated, mm. and um, I I really think this has got Jennifer Lopez and Vincent D'Onofrio mm-hmm. and um, Vince Vaughn. And I really think the actual problem with this movie has less to do with the script and has more to do with Jennifer Lopez and Vince Vaughn. Mm. Vincent D'Onofrio as kind of the the central villain is yeah. great. Uh, the other two are very – it feels at least today very miscast. Well, um, it's kind of early in her career of yeah. acting too. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, she I'm sure she's like grown as an a- actor. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure. And but... Vince Vaughn just feels like, you know, kind of the the comedic detective that's playing mm-hmm. it too seriously for a movie. Uh-huh. And it just it doesn't quite work. This is in the the era of Made and um what came before Made uh, that he did with um um Swingers. Oh, swingers. Okay. Yeah, this is in that era and so Vince Vaughn is in that mode. Yeah. But trying to play it more serious. Mm-hmm. And it just, there's a lot of things here that don't work. You can tell that this is taking a lot of cues from things like face off yeah. and just let's go high concept and, and right. the audience won't ask questions if we make it cool. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where they answer too much mm. and they give too much explanation. So it actually makes it hokier. Gotcha. Then if, like what Inception, where it's just, nope, we just hook you up to this thing and yeah. this is how it works. Don't explain it to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's, it's still, like I said, the dream sequences still hold up, um, and, uh, and, and have something to offer. So it's, it's not a complete bust, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's definitely on the, the, uh, turned out to be a cautious dinger. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> what else you got? Not a risky knocker? Not a risky knocker. Um, the third thing I watched, this is the last thing I did, okay. um, was 2011's Drive. Mm. And I was curious about this one because as um, Nicholas Wannenreffen's career has gone on, I've soured on him quite a bit. Yeah. And I feel like... Now, have you soured on his films or just the TV projects that have come out? Well, that's mainly what's come out recently. Yeah. yeah. And um, Neon Demon. That's I true. Didn't I forgot like about that Neon movie. Demon. Yeah. Um, I feel like he slowly just turned into style over substance when before early on there was some substance to it. Even if like the style was relatively the same. Yeah. Um, there was some under. L- underlying layers to um what he was trying to do and i feel like that's kind of been put to the side or maybe it's just something about the pacing of it he's just like completely given into this low like very low energy like just slowness that like generally like if a movie's doing it well i'm into mm-hmm. but I, I feel like it's just been style over substance and i haven't been able to enjoy them as much um, especially like the TV projects where he's just doing these underbelly, like mob, like that stuff I'm not super into. And no. when it's just those like gross kind of characters, it just turns me off from the whole project, like the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so that was why I kind of wanted to revisit this because at the time I, I really liked drive mm-hmm. and, um, and this one still really holds up. Like I, I still really liked it. I, I was worried maybe even going into this, like I wouldn't enjoy Ryan Gosling's performance. It would, and because he, for a while, he was kind of doing that same mode of acting where he was the quiet one, lurk, like just in the background, like yeah. overwatching everything. And like he had this mode that he was in. And this, I feel like, started that. And, um, but he was still really enjoyable in it. And I totally forgot how many great actors were in this. Yeah, like, seriously. Carrie Mulligan, Brian Cranston, Oscar. I forgot, totally forgot Oscar. Yeah, Isaac. he's the original, like, out of prison yep. husband or boyfriend. Yeah, or the husband. And I totally forgot him. Like, Albert Brooks is in mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, so, man, that, that was a really fun just remembering that or seeing that again. And, it's a really simple story like mm-hmm. at the center of it. And uh, I really think the style in this one works in, in the movie benefits from it. I think a little bit the – this kind of kicked off this trend of using this very um, like neon-soaked 80s music mm-hmm. in it. That synth. The synth score. Yeah. And that I don't think holds up as well because the movie is kind of divorced from that. And it doesn't match the picture. Like mm-hmm. a lot of that, like uh, as that has still gone on in movies, the picture, it, like they've also embraced that stylistically too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like stylistically they're a little divorced from each other. It doesn't work, but the score is still good. Yeah. Um, I was glad I revisited this one just to cool. see uh, if it, you know, it still held that place in my heart, but it's, it's still a good movie. Okay. I enjoyed it. I wanted to roll the dice harder. Yeah. And so I went all the way back to 1995. Oh. And I went to Richard Donner's Assassins. Okay. Uh, starring Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas. Uh-huh. Uh, right when he's, I guess, learning English and his voice is just adorable. <laughs> uh, this is one that I remember watching in theaters. This is right after I, I was able to drive uh, myself and a couple of people went to see this. 
and just thought this was the greatest thing to to ever action cinema action cinema i mean it was just we had so much fun with this thing it's about two rival assassins Mm -hmm. one older one younger and uh it's it's a a script from the wachowskis so really yeah it was something that came out before the matrix which at the time in 95 we didn't realize yeah who these people were at all but uh this is kind of early wachowskis before they sort of went off path or, or whatever you want to call it. Did they that. direct they it or just wrote it? They just wrote it. Okay. Richard Donner of, of Lethal Weapon and, and Superman okay. 2 and all those different movies. Um, he directed it. And and this movie holds up. It It is it is full cheese. Yeah. Uh, it's not half cheese like Navy SEALs. It is full cheese. <laughs> uh, but it's it's got a, a great little cast. Julianne Moore's in there in a very early role. Mm. And um, other other than some, some kind of, uh, you know... Uh, just um stockiness and and a little bit of ooh that that was made in 1995 as a stunt yeah. sequence you know where you can see that's clearly not Sylvester Stallone yeah yeah uh, those sort of things <laughs> uh, other than those those dated kind of contrivances and and uh 90s version of computer hacking and and right. breaking into banks and things like that uh it's it's got a lot to offer and when it really just gets down to assassin versus assassin it actually holds up much better than than face off uh, mm-hmm. When you go back and, and you revisit some of those, this is in the era of, and I guess it never really stopped, but this is in that era of let's take two actors and just put them at each other yeah, yeah. and see what, what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie was actually popular for a while until Antonio Banderas tried to do it again with X versus Sever and it okay. just all fell apart because that movie's <laughs> terrible. Uh, that was with Lucy Liu, I believe. Oh, okay. But same kind of concept. But uh, Assassins just sort of got swept under the rug after that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a, it's a fun little flick. Hmm. And uh, it's been sitting on my shelf, the original DVD, since, I don't know, early 2000s. I picked it up at Walmart for like five bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those old paper cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's, it's, it's still a lot of fun. So, you know, Navy SEALs and Assassins, it's a great little double feature. I've never uh, seen... IMO. Either or what? Neither of them. Yeah, I really, I don't know what you would think, but uh, yeah, it might be I'm outside not of it. it. Yeah, I know. Rec- if you have time on your hands mm-hmm. and you don't have books to write and TED talks to give, <laughs> uh, you know, you should definitely check these out. But for people like Clint, who's out there, uh, you know, just saving the masses, I think it's a little I mean, difficult. Changing the hearts and minds of women across the world, or watching assassins. And I, honestly, I who better to speak to women? Than Clint Jones, right? It just you know, I know, I know, women have been trying to speak to themselves for a long time. I think they've really come up short. I, I can't am even that. Keep going. I am that mirror. <laughs> I am that mirror. All right. Well, let's get to our our mainstays. Uh, as always, you can find us at www.cinebabblecast.com. Uh, you can find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. Throw us a review on your favorite platform, uh, Apple or, or different things like that. Don't throw us a review if you don't like us. Just, uh, you know, if you want to five star us and write something short and sweet, awesome. If, if you have like bad things to say, like write that in a handwritten note yep, yep. and then burn it yeah. and let the ashes yeah. scatter. Yeah, it comes and, to us in spirit. Right. And it, it'll make you feel better it and will. we won't have to hear it right. and we'll feel, be better, feel yeah. better. Yeah. I don't mind criticism. Uh, Clint's, Clint's a little, little taken aback by it. So, um, I find it hilarious and Uh-oh. sometimes relevant, but Clint, I think it hurts his feelings. So be careful with Clint. You know, Clint's still becoming a real boy. I, I just think that 
it's unnecessary to say mean things, <laughs> it is. really. Just, just turn it off. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um, no, it, it seriously helps with the algorithm and stuff uh, and uh, helps people find us. And maybe they'll enjoy us because that's fun. So today we are talking about, uh, as I mentioned, The Ring, uh, Donnie Darko, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Let's start with The Ring. The Ring is actually something that Clint and I have talked about for a long, long time and have both sworn to never revisit because uh, it was such an incredible theatrical experience for mm-hmm. us way back in yield. When did this come out? 2002. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this this really shook me, and and this was this was quite the experience, which I was surprised because I went in knowing it was a PG thirteen mm-hmm. horror flick and uh, didn't expect much from it, and was just blown away. And so for a long time, this has kind of existed in this mythos in our mind of of this perfect horror movie that we know is from 2002 and is PG-13 and all these things. And like, can it really hold up to that memory and that theatrical experience? Uh, So finally. This one was like this on the list was the dangerous banger for me. Like, yeah. Because I actually remember that experience yep. and everything. This, this hands down, of all the movies I watched this past couple of weeks, this was the most risky to me. This and, is what we debated even doing, because yeah. we want to remember it I, the I really way we had it. That. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I will I will break form and tell you up front <laughs> that it, uh, you know, we'll talk about it, but it didn't ruin my experience from 2002. Mm-hmm. I was happy about that. That's still kind of cataloged in my heart mm-hmm. as, as one of those uh, just movie, uh, movie nights. Um, this is about a journalist that has, uh, or that starts an investigation into a mysterious videotape. Apparently when anyone watches this videotape, they die within seven days and all kinds of other craziness happens. This stars Naomi Watts, Brian Cox, and uh, a couple of other familiar faces. Clint, what did you think about your revisit <coughs> to The Ring? Oh, Martin Henderson, who I don't remember at all, and I don't think I've ever seen him in anything ever after that. Um, Maybe he's doing, like, uh, primetime television shows or something. Maybe. Yeah. He definitely plays the the grisliest of of, uh, golden-hearted reporters or or whatever you want. Photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was nervous going into this one just because... Of our experience with it uh, all those years ago. And, um, but we sucked it up. We did. We did. And I will say for me, it it didn't ruin the experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't, definitely didn't have the same experience with it. Um, It did not, like, it's not a scary movie. No, no. Um, Unfortunately, um, it's, Actually, it is a well-made movie. I will Mm -hmm. say that. Like, I actually really, this time, noticing just the narrative structure of it. And I really like the um, whole setup of Naomi Watts playing this reporter and going into it. So it's more of this kind of like detective story. Mm -hmm. And that I thought was a really interesting premise for a horror movie to like be going through the layers of this story. And the more you're you're getting, you're like, especially diving into the video um, which is very um, early David Lynch inspired, yeah, yeah. just especially like watching, like just 
getting more into like art house film and stuff, you see the what they're pulling from. Um, because at that time in my life, I hadn't seen, you know, early David Lynch, like, um, shorts and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, very student film. Uh, when he says that in the film, like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it is. But there's some fun image or imagery in that. And that, I think, when seeing it the first time was the striking thing about it, like mm. that it was going so weird. But now this time it didn't feel as weird as it did that, you know, originally. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of disappointing, but just like the whole um, detective story angle of it was fun to revisit again. Um, But yeah, like it didn't get under my skin like it did originally, which was kind of disappointing. Um, And now just seeing so many kind of movies inspired by this Mm -hmm. and like that whole um, time in like Japanese horror that we were kind of pulling from and revisit, like remaking and everything, like so much so many movies like this now so even though this was at the the forefront of all that it didn't feel as fresh now um what did you think of it i'm i had the exact same experience with it that you did uh the first time and this time uh my thing is watching it i was aware of the fact that it I, i don't think it has to do with the movie yeah i think it has to do with knowing what was coming right um, more than I mean, there there are some things about the movie, but even the scares and things like that. Once you know where this movie is going, uh, I think the first time, one, I had less exposure to to horror overall. Me too. Than I do right. now. Uh, but at the time, it was very subversive because yeah. there was a very specific structure to horror films where you figure out what the bad guy is, you watch people die around you, and mm-hmm. in the last minute, you either figure out how to defeat the evil. And put it to rest, or you don't. Right. And I, I remember being really taken and surprised that it hadn't solved things two thirds of the way through. Right. Now, when I'm watching it, there's so much time being devoted to that falling action that you know something else is coming. Right. I, I speak the language of cinema better now. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really, um, you know, I, I realize in retrospect they spend too much time. In the aftermath of the first part where you think they've they've defeated the evil, right. it makes it obvious that the evil was not defeated. Yeah. If they had shortened that, I think it would still have a little more punch. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's it's not going to be scary after that first time because you know what's coming. Yeah. Um I think it I, that still worked for me in a way because they did visually do new things with it when they do that, like the whole thing that they didn't defeat evil because they really hold off on like, you know, the whole scene where she's crawling out of the TV. So there's some really, there are creepy things that they really hold off on doing and don't, they do a good job of not repeating themselves, which I was pleasantly surprised to see. Like they, it, it feels like, like, and I think this affected me the first time seeing it too. Um, and what had such an impact was it constantly was evolving and showing new yeah. things and not resting on their laurels of like, oh, the kid, the the woman, the girl comes out of the television, kills you, and that's it. Like rinse, the, repeat. Re, re, right. Yeah. They yeah. did new things with it. Well, and that's something where I was also surprised in a good way at how slow the pace was. Right. Yeah. And how much time they took with the story and how much time it actually takes to get back around to something supernatural happening yeah, after yeah. that first kind of opening. Um, you know, it's, it's it, long story short, I'm with you. This is a, a surprisingly well-made movie. That's what I was worried yeah. would let me down. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think the biggest thing was, like you, I enjoyed the detective story, and it, it, it there were there were atmospheric chills, yeah, but there weren't scares, right? Like that first time when I watched this the first time, it was a horror movie, yeah. When I watched it this time, it was, it, you know, it has little tinges of horror but it it, was like a a mystery yeah and there were some visual like surrealist flair to Mm -hmm. some of the things that like especially like you know when they're opening it up with that video and then peppering the movie throughout those pieces coming together and where she picked up on them from and seeing them in reality was kind of uh interesting fun thing i will say the one thing that didn't work for me really this time was the end of this movie and how they just figure out defeating the evil completely, like that whole idea. Like, actually, was it re- the idea you didn't like, or the execution of that idea? It was the, kind of both. Of I kind of, on. I kind of had to re like rewatch it because I felt like yeah. I totally missed it. I was like, "What? How did they do it?" Yeah. So I had to watch the last like ten minutes again. And I was like, "Oh, that's right." And it was just the the execution. Like, it yeah. was very fast and kind of leaves you like like me lost and also just i don't know maybe it's from also watching so many horror movies now it just it felt like a cop out a little bit yeah well and and this is this is real tropey but even if it was something where the movie had opened with her investigating somebody that had gotten away with something and she was trying to write a story about and just couldn't quite close it. And then yeah. at the very end, bookended, that's the person that you see the tape going to. Uh-huh. It would have clicked a little more, I think, for me. And like, oh, okay, this is a, they, they basically just chose to kill someone mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, I, I was in the same place. It was it was very foggy at the end yeah. as to what they had done. And yeah. Um, I feel like it's the same, the whole setup of It Follows, but I feel like that movie completely commits to it, yeah. and, and you know it's from the beginning, and that's the whole premise of the film. Yeah. And this, it just felt like it was tagged on. Yeah. And uh, maybe if it was a reveal a little earlier, yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah. it just, for me, it, it threw me off, and I was kind of confused by if that If that had whole... been a part of her figuring out how the girl got the tape in the first place or how it got to the cabin or, or you know, the, some of those things. Or if along the lines there was people who weren't dying from it, yeah. and then she put the pieces together. It was like, oh, they they passed this thing on, yeah. so then they were, like, spared. Insulated, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm in the place where it's like it's it holds up. As yeah. a film, mm-hmm. uh, it does not hold up as is that initial experience. So, it's but maybe a, for a first time viewer, that side yeah. of it will be like still effective. Yeah. But it's just, it, it was fun seeing it again and realizing that actually, like just narratively and everything, it was a well done story. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. All right, next flick is 2001's Donnie Darko. This is from Richard Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, who has a similar trajectory in my memory as uh, Neil Blomkamp. Uh, Neil Blomkamp, um, who we've said his name like six different ways, six different times. But uh, yeah, same thing where it's kind of like he really came out, uh, like Shyamalan, really came out with this this uh, film that really captured the imagination and then since then has sort of fallen away. Uh, but Donnie Darko stars um, 
Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, Drew Barrymore, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Seth Rogen's in there. Another Jim movie, Malone, Patrick Swayze, Mary McDonnell. Another movie where I forgot how many great actors <laughs> oh, yeah. were in this. This movie is stacked. Yeah, uh, but it's here's the plot during the presidential election of 1988. Everybody remembers that. Mm-hmm. A teenager named Donnie Darko sleepwalks out of his house one night and sees a giant demonic-looking rabbit named Frank, who tells him the world will end in 28 days. When Donnie returns home, he finds that a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. Is Donnie living in a parallel universe? Is he suffering from mental illness or will the world really end? Clint, what did you think about your revisit to, I'm assuming you watched the theatrical cut yeah. of Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Well, this was another one in the same time as Fight Club where it was just in rotation. Yeah. Like yeah. I would like fall asleep to the those two movies, just put them on while I'm working on art projects or whatever while I was in college. And um so after seeing the director's cut of this in like there was like for a little while here in town, there was a midnight Halloween mm-hmm. um, like movie marathon they would do at our local theater. And this was one where they they did the director's cut of this. And I was so excited to see this on the big screen because I never did it when it came out and um, was so disappointed by the director's cut yeah. in what they decided to put back into it and it flushed out things that I did not want flushed over-explained out. Over-explained things. Over-explained things. Yeah. Took away a lot of the mystery that was fun to, you know, kind of wonder and ponder about on this film or just leave to the mystery of it and just have it kind of wash over you as this kind of, I don't know, ethereal thing yeah. of a movie. Um so I hadn't watched again since then because I, I I was like, I'm done with that movie. I've watched it to, you know, uh, exhaustion. And then like that was what he was thinking about this movie. I'm just not interested. So revisiting it, I, I had that baggage and I was a little worried that like it would still spoil the original cut of this mm-hmm. film. But I will say I absolutely love this movie. Like revisiting it, it felt just as fresh. I kind of re-fell in love with this movie and um, everything held up for me. Like there's a lot of movies going back from like that I'll revisit it from like that time period and like like Fight Club. Mm -hmm. Like that didn't hold up for me as well. But this like I actually loved it more than I feel like I did even then. Yeah. And I, I love the performances. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is actually fantastic. And you can see that like even from a young age, young age he had the acting yeah. chops and he's kind of the, the same level he was then. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, there's early hints of Nightcrawler in this. Oh, yeah. Where you can really see uh, how much power he has as a dramatic actor, even when he's being still or yep. quiet. Yep. And oh. I was completely forgot how much humor is in this movie yeah, it is yeah. so funny at moments and like tongue-in-cheek about things like sparkle motion and that whole lineup whole setup and that yeah. um part of the movie is really funny um and the mystery still holds up and it's really fun to dive into and like it was fun thinking like going because at the time there wasn't like you know reddit threads about this right. film and like just thinking like going into the like, usually I avoid that stuff, but it was fun, actually, to see other people's thoughts about it. Yeah. And also, it was fun to just leave it as a mystery. And I actually read this fantastic article by um, uh, Lindsay Romain. It's called Stupid Man Suit on Dar- Donnie Darko, and it was from it's on RogerDebert.com. And 
And this is something that I think about movies a lot, and especially movies that have like underlying mystery and where people are trying to solve it and like uh, tear it apart and get into just like the the gears of how the movie is working. And I honestly love leaving the mystery in a movie. And that's what this article is about. Like just leaving the mystery like alone and enjoying the wonder of it. And just like, you don't have to know every single mechanic of a thing, even though like this one, clearly there are mechanics working and it's not just something where it's just thrown to the wind and you're like, ah, oh, it's just a thought. Like, we, you don't have to, like, think about it deeply. There is a lot to this movie in in that way. But just watching it without making your brain work in that way, mm-hmm. it still works. Yeah. Um, and that was really pleasantly, like, surprising and enjoyable because like that's how I watched it initially, yeah. and to watch it in that way still and it to work was cool. What do you think? I had a, a very guttural reaction to the director's cut yeah. back in the day, mm-hmm. and like you, have since never revisited this movie. Yeah, because the director's cut. I mean, I mean, genuinely upset me mm. because I had such a love for the original film, and the director's cut not only overexplains everything, yeah, but does it with with such unextraordinary. Yeah, kind of. It, it was just. It was very banal. It was. It was. It was very. Uh, it, it. It just. It was so matter of fact. It felt like a bad Star Trek episode. Yeah. Explanation. Yeah. Where they just crammed in a bunch of gobbledygook, and you understood what they were saying, but it it took away all the mystery and all the allure. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking away from this movie and just like, I'm not going back. If that's yeah. what the director was intending because before that it was this beautiful little puzzle box Yeah, that even though I watched and I had opinions on, I, I would, I would find myself thinking of differently mm-hmm. at different times. Uh, I actually was really glad that we went back and watched this. Yeah, me too. Because it was, I, I think it's been long enough since the director's cut that that's not fresh in my mind. I, I didn't remember any of that stuff. Yeah, so. And so I just watched yeah. this probably as fresh as I possibly could. Me too. Cause it's, it's been almost, you know, 20 years mm-hmm. since I've seen this thing, maybe, a, maybe a little less than that, but yeah, um, it, it really impressed me. And it, it's, I, I thought, especially with it being about teenagers in this time period, I thought it would really date itself. But it being said in the eighties completely yep. takes it away from that. Yep. So you don't have that baggage of yep. like early two thousands. Yep. I forgot it, it that it yeah. was set pre cell phone era and, yeah. and all these things. And it it worked really well. Uh, you know, I think the only things that didn't age so great there there were a couple of little effects that, oh. that really showed their their seams, which no big deal. And this does have that kind of uh, '80s kind of emo uh, mixed with the '2000s emo vibe to it on occasion, but. Again, because it's set in the 80s, uh, that didn't bother me so much. Um, Yeah, that didn't bother me at all because, like, he was actually going through, like, it wasn't a sad, he was mentally ill and going through something. And um, there was enough humor to offset that side of him that, like, um, he was a funny character, too. He wasn't just a sad sap. He was, he's just going through a very hard time. 
Well, and then I'm just watching it and it, it still has a lot of power and it's it's really poignant. Some of the things yeah. about love and fear, mm-hmm. some of the things about kind of vying for the influence of young minds. And, and there's a lot packed into this movie that isn't apparent on the surface. And a lot of it felt really new. And I don't know if I forgot it or it's just when I was watching it in that era, I, you know, just wasn't the adult that I am now. And so yeah. a lot more was apparent this viewing than than was back then. Like I really loved the Drew Barrymore yeah. and uh, what's Noah, yep. uh, their the teacher characters, yep. and just seeing it from their point of view, yep. and like they're just really are trying to be good teachers, and they're in this yep. position in this um, in this school where they're just not allowed to to. Um, you know, interact and shape their minds in the way they want to, because it's such kind of like this right-wing conservative, like, situation they're in, um, that they're so frustrated. And I just really, and that was very poignant to this time period, too. There there were moments I even teared up where I didn't remember where it would suddenly punch me. Things like with the girl that's being bullied. Yep. And some of the things he says to her. Yeah. I felt like I got very, almost taken aback and, Mm -hmm. and kind of shocked by it. Uh, the emotion of it and and how uh, real it felt and and how just weirdly kind yeah. it was yeah. in the middle of this this kind of dark and angsty uh, exploration of all things you know that are going on. There are these real pointed moments of of humanity and warmth, right? That that really kept me engaged. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, long story short, this this movie just really surprised me. This is one I, I like. I'm gonna continue to yeah. like. I'm so happy that I can because it was a movie I I actually loved when yeah. it came out, and I'm actually surprised how much I re-love this yeah. thing again yeah. and want to revisit it and be back in my rotation of movies. Yeah. And yeah, just how still relevant it is. Yeah. And well, and like you said, the laughs to land, there's there's a creepiness to this film that oh, yeah. really mm-hmm. with with Frank, especially yeah. early on with the old woman, mm-hmm. there are things in this movie that that far better than the ring, my revisit to the yeah. ring, really kind of sent chills up my spine. Yeah. And this is an like, man, if like even the movie not actually be made in the 80s oh. the the 80s score in this is yeah. so good and works so well and it's not obvious no no yeah. it's so many like bangers of hits like from that time period that, that like thematically works so well it's, but even then and and nothing against stranger things but stranger things is definitely trying for a nostalgic vibe yeah so even its soundtrack selections are very specific to nostalgia yeah this felt much more this felt like a movie made in the 80s exactly yeah it felt very natural rather than a movie that was trying to yeah. like uh, exhume the 80s right and yeah. just like emotional like like underscoring the emotional elements of yeah. of the film in a really like natural way and also feeling of the time. I, yeah. I don't know. It was just excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well done. Well, and this, this is back in the day, this was one of my just favorite movies and I'm yeah. really excited to watch it some more over the next couple of years because I feel like it reclaimed uh, a, a much higher spot uh, in my mind as, as to uh, how good of a film it is. Yeah. Than uh, than the years have left me thinking of it, I, and all I'm uh re, like I think I mentioned I'm revisiting um 
the Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. from the same time period. And uh, Mary McDonald, who plays yeah, the mom yeah. Rose in this, is in that. Yep. And it was just and it was just this nice like cross paths thing of watching her in both these projects. And she's so good yeah. in both. Um, and this, she's so good as this, like a very real mom yeah. where she doesn't like, like she's a working mom. Like she's like is out of the world. Like she's not a stay at home mom. And she's a very like emotionally attached to her kids, mom. Like she's a good mom, but like, it, it's just very three dimensional. Yeah. And I forgot that aspect of it too. Yeah. No, definitely revisit it uh, if you've been avoiding it and scared of it or you've never seen it. Just check it out. It's It's got a lot to offer. Yeah. Our third and final movie is uh, – what year did that come out? 2008. 2008's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. This is from director David Fincher, but this is definitely something that has long been considered in his lesser canon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a Panic joke Room. now. It, it really has become a joke. Uh, but this is – it stars Brad Pitt. It stars Kate Blanchett. Uh, and a whole bunch of other people, Julia Ormond, uh, Tilda Swinton's in it. I totally yeah. forgot she was mm-hmm. in here, Jason Fleming, uh, Mahershala Ali early mm-hmm. in his career. Um, but it's uh, here's the plot. Born under unusual circumstances, Benjamin Button, who's Brad Pitt, uh, springs into being as an elderly man in a New Orleans nursing home in ages in reverse. Twelve years after his birth, he meets Daisy, a child who flickers in and out of his life as she grows up to be a dancer, played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, though he has all sorts of unusual adventures over the course of his life, it's his relationship with Daisy and the hope that they will come together at the right time that drives Benjamin forward. Clint, what did you think of uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Well, when this came out, I, like, absolutely loved this movie. Yeah. When, like, it, it must have it struck me in a time period where I was really into, like, magical realism mm-hmm. and, you know, like, kind of elements that are out of place and makes it slightly surreal and but also like set in a very real you know scenario with real characters um and this so was this is the era of big fish and uh, i'm trying to think of yeah, big it, fish it, was a little earlier but a little earlier yeah. but it was it was it was a couple of years of these movies that were really exploring that uh, you know kind of wonderment yeah uh, like what if we injected something surreal into the 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 normal yeah yeah and i still like love that idea and like that that when things can pull it off really well um like i was thinking of like um uh beast of the southern wild Mm -hmm. like like that movie does it excellently really well um and this like i this time too i was really into fincher and like i think fincher's a really great actor or director he's not an actor yeah director yeah, you'll get there yeah, yeah um but i i was a little worried just because of how much of a joke this movie kind of mm-hmm. has become and like there's so many times that they just bring this up as a punchline and like podcasts and stuff and and i it, it always would like tear it at me a little tear at me a little bit because like oh i love that movie mm-hmm. and um like why are they making fun of it and this time i realized why they're making fun of this movie <laughs> And this movie, mm. I had the wildest swing on a movie I think I've ever oh, had. Wow. I did not like this movie at pretty much at all wow. this time. Um, realizing like, man, this and I and I know I'm not the first to have this thought. And after looking it up, many people have had this comparison and thought, but this is the Forrest Gump of the 2000s. <laughs> 
He is such a benign character. Other than him being going through this, you know, having this aging disease syndrome, he is so boring. Yeah. He and people react to him in the most unreal way. It was so distracting. And one of the, like the aging does not hold up in this movie at all. No. It is terrible. No. Like, Which I remember sitting in the theater and thinking that this looks amazing. Me too. And re-watching, I was just like, what was I thinking? It is so distracting. Yeah. And then the switch to when it's real Brad Pitt is so distracting because it's like two scenes butted up against each other. Yeah. And it goes from CG version to, okay, it's just Brad Pitt in a bunch of prosthetics to then the most <laughs> distracting is when it switches to such a sexy Brad Pitt. Nope. And he's the most handsome man in the world. And you believe he came from this little golem of a guy. <laughs> and it's so, like, I, I keep saying, I'm so, it's so, it's so. But it, it, I was so distracted. And I'm like, not being able to pay attention because he's so freaking hot. And I like, <laughs> I'm like, man, it came, like, it's so like, of course she's going to fall in love with this guy. Like, I I didn't like this movie. I, I'm so like sad and like uh what what did you think of this this time? Uh, this this movie took quite quite the tumble. <laughs> <laughs> it it uh it rolled down a hill. There was yeah. a cliff at the bottom, it kind of fell off the cliff. It yeah. Fell into some brambles and after uh -huh. it crawled out of that, fell off another it, yeah. precipice. And, and then the little old uh man version of Benjamin walked out of that bramble yeah, bush. And, he has no agency in this None. film at all. None, None at all. I mean, more so than Forrest Gump. Uh, I know. He just wanders, like, and it's like the whole, uh, you, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't no, want to no. interrupt you. <laughs> so mad. <You're> fine. <laughs> but no, he has, he has no, he's, he's just this, this prop. Yep. That sort of gets taken from little story vignette to little story vignette. And it's so schmaltzy. Yeah, it's so saccharine. Yep, and it it, and especially uh, at the end when they try to bring it all back together with like, oh, it's the characters you've met along the way or whatever, and it's like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it just it it had a lot of of syrup poured yep. on its pancakes. It it. <sighs> I, I found very little to enjoy. I was more mortified the whole time I was watching it. I felt like, you know, those those uh, Mandela effect videos yeah. where people genuinely believe the world has changed and it's not just that culturally we've, you know, misremembered some things. Right. That's what I felt like. Yeah. I felt like I was in a parallel universe mm -hmm. and I was watching some other version of a movie. Yeah. Because even scenes I remembered were really breaking my brain. Me too. As being wildly different yep. than what I remembered. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 this was definitely one of those movies that fit, that made me feel very uh, small in <laughs> in my opinions early in life. Yeah, I thought I had always just really had this kind of movie palette that yeah. you know I understood. And yeah, it's it's developed, but you know it, it started somewhere special. And then I go back and watch something like this. I'm like, oh, ooh. Yeah. Mm. And this is 2008. I know. This is not, you know, like 88 or 98 or this is coming at a time that I'm now watching a lot of things out there. And and I'm watching foreign films and I'm watching, you know, films from from these challenging directors. And, and that was in my, you know, little world that was that was in my zeitgeist. And so 
it, I think it would make a lot more sense to me if this was from 98 yeah. than if it was from 2008. That really kind of blew my mind because it's only 15 years ago. I think we had a bit of Fincher goggles on. That That is possible. I think I, for I me, for that. sure, because like I, at that time, like I felt like he could do no wrong. But do you feel like this feels like a Fincher film? No, at not at all. Not at all. But I was, I remember trying, like I would defend it as like he's exploring these yeah. dark angles of death and life and stuff. But it's like, not really. No, no. No. It's, it's just this, it's this weird little parable without a lesson. Yeah. I mean, I know the lesson they're trying to, they're, they're trying to make this a a morality tale of sorts, uh, and just a tale of, of humankind without the, the dressing of, you know, appearance and age and all that. But it, it comes across very shallow. Yeah. Um, And it's like very superficial. And especially where he ends up, he's just turns into a horrible dad like he had. And for no reason, because like, there were there were so many years he could have spent with his kid before, like evil, especially building up to it, where nobody has any insight or thought about him being this weird anomaly anomaly that's aging backwards, and then yeah. all of a sudden he cares about it once he has a kid, but like he just turns into a horrible person. I don't understand how this kid's entire childhood wasn't in hospitals and and under the microscope and right. it just none of that felt real at all. People were just like, "Oh wow, you're aging you back." Great. We're just like, so "You look wild. so good. What's your secret?" Yeah. And and I the, for me this time also what didn't really work at all was the whole um like storybook aspect where she's going through the like her the mother on the deathbed and they're going through her journal and remembering like this father she never knew and everything and it's like that especially when you look like see the journal and it's like mainly in pictures and somehow she's piecing together this whole story that like it's like uh, it didn't work at all and it would really be jarring when they would flash back to the the deathbed um angle of it I, I just came away, anybody that wants to trash Alien 3, uh, you know, and just, oh, Fincher this and Fincher that, please go watch Curious Case of Fincher <laughs> Button. Because Alien 3 is is just light years beyond this poor thing. I would love to understand what happened. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a movie he doesn't really talk about anymore. I don't, I, I guess he's just in retrospect not happy with it either. He just doesn't want to bring up. You know, I I don't know. Yeah. I went trying to find a retrospective or something where any of these people have gone back and talked about what went wrong. Nothing. Google is just right. nothing. Um, and so this 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 was a huge disappointment. So I I and I watched these in order. Mm. So you know, the ring. I was kind of in this middle, and then Donnie Darko shot me up this giant wave. Of elation, and then this one just brought me. Maybe because Donnie Darko had taken me so high, yeah. Because I watched these back to back in the same night. But man, this was. I think I may have started with this. This or either Donnie. This was like getting so excited about, uh, you know, skydiving, jumping out of the plane, realizing in your excitement you left a parachute. <laughs> In the plane, he's like, ah, that's was, what this felt like. I'm really happy that we had the same experience because I was afraid I was going to break your heart and you're like nope. going to have to defend this to me. And I'm, I thought the same thing. I thought you were going to discover, you know, some artsy this and artsy that. And I'm, 
No, because Oof. now watching so much more like art films yeah. that are so much more subtle yeah. about like same kind of ideas and pull it off so much. Like this was so clunky in comparison yeah. to films like that yeah. and just trying to be that, but without the, you know, undercurrent of actual like depth. Um, so I, this one, uh, man, especially man, effects are so bad. I shockingly shockingly bad yeah. like there'd be moments where it like kind of works and then they would like his head would turn and it almost like the tracking would be off where yeah. it's not attached to his skull anymore and it's yeah. like oh that's yeah. so bad i yeah because i remember watching the the first captain america film and thinking they did this in curious case of benjamin button yeah uh and not being very impressed with it and now it's just oh yeah, no, they had, they had really kind of jumped ahead on that one. So yeah, uh, the ring uh, worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to give you the same experience you had once upon a time, but if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, Donnie Darko, wow, super impressed with that one. Uh, very happy to add that back to my yeah. uh, no longer dangerous banger list. Not director's cut. Yes, do not go to the director's cut. No, it ruins everything. Yeah, um, don't be. Lured in by the extra 20 or 30. It's a it's a long director's cut yeah. compared to theatrical, but theatrical release is just not just superior. It's it's the movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And then curious case of Benjamin Button. Turns out the internet can be right and Clint and I can be very, very wrong. Uh, so enter at your own risk. You know what even made me feel more guilty about that is I, at that time, you got me the like oh, movie I art know. book for this. I know. And I, I, know. Kept, and I just kept looking at it on the shelf and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Ken. I know. I know. I, I felt <laughs> terrible. Um, and I have the, the criterion version of this. I've I do got, too. Oh, goodness, Clint. That's funny thing to think about this. It's all oh, in criterion. Criterion thought this was really good too. Or they had some deal with the studio at the Maybe. time. They also put Armageddon on Criterion. Yeah. Release, so. There was a, some weird, like sometimes they get weird stuff like right away where it's like, yeah. I feel like the studio came to them and like are trying to just to yeah. get get the movie to look more, you know. Um, avant-garde. Avant-garde yeah. or like, yeah, yeah or, or like this is something special. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's. We haven't spun Cinetron in quite a while. It's probably mad at us. It probably is. Let's spin up Cinetron and see uh, what fun, dangerous banger or other <laughs> risky knocker. <laughs> spin that thing. It's not supposed to be dirty. <laughs> Okay, Ken. This one, I I think it's been on here for a little while, and finally we're getting to it. Um, this is The Mountain from 2018 with Jeff Goldblum. The, I, I haven't even heard of The Mountain. What's this, what's this about? Okay, here's the premise. Ooh. Since his mother's confinement to an institution, a man has lived in the shadows of his stoic father. A family acquaintance employs the uh, introverted young man as a photographer to document an asylum tour advocating for the lobotomy procedure. 
And I think Jeff Bloom, Goldblum plays like a, a lobotomy, like, you know, he performs them. And it's okay. I think it's about the time, like, when they're coming to the realization that this isn't that great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be sticking big metal rods in people's brains. With a hammer. Yeah. I think that's the part that never, you know, if, if it was this delicate procedure where right. they were, like, threading a needle. Oh, it's like there's a little hole that we're supposed to do this. No, yeah. we got to use a hammer. Yeah. 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 If you have to use a hammer for anything on my body, right? Like, make sure you know what you're doing before you. Like even checking my re thing. reflexes. Oh, like, I hate that so much. Levi, when he was a little kid, he used to scream when they would check his reflexes. <laughs> they'd sit there with a little hammer, like, ah! and then they'd hit him and he'd giggle. Yeah, and then he'd start screaming on the next. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, the mountain, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I think this um, might be on Hulu. I know okay. for a while it was. Okay, Hulu logged me out. And I can't remember my password. I should get back in there. <laughs> and apparently people have been using my Netflix because I got all sorts of warning emails from Netflix that, hey, uh, so I just changed my password. So all those people are just uh, mad at you. All those people are just going to be upset now. But yeah. I'm not paying that kind of money for – there's like three people still using my Netflix account. Oh, to have like extra people? You yeah. Would, okay. If, if they're outside of your house, oh. Netflix is cracking down because oh. of all the sharing. And I think they thought people were pirating. I, I just – I didn't even realize these people had my hmm. my account. So I don't know. Maybe one's in Bangladesh. There's not even it's not even clear <laughs> that I know all these people. Son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been episode 81 of Cinebabble. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back uh, with episode 82 and some fun new things. There's all kinds of stuff coming out this summer. Did you see the Barbie, the new Barbie yeah, trailer? Yeah. I don't know how in what reality we live. Uh, you know, because we've hopped realities with mm -hmm. Curious Case. But <laughs> this is now one of the most... I'm so excited for I'm it. I'm so excited for this Barbie movie. It There's, looks genius. This is a tagged on um, trailer trailer, but did you see the new trailer for... Or it was a sh it was a teaser for the Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes. I am... Uh, was it Poor yes. Things? Yep. I am so excited for that movie. Yep. Like, yep. and it was 30 seconds, and I hope maybe they don't put another trailer yep. out. But yep. man, that was my perfect... Like lineup of a weird and yep. um, yeah. oh, I'm so there's excited. a lot of really good stuff that comes yeah. out here in the next couple of weeks yeah. and months and uh, I'm excited so we'll we'll have all kinds of stuff to come at you with and and talk about. We did uh, not get to see Boa is Afraid. In the I know I I was going to uh, talk to you about the other Friday and it was already gone. I know it, I looked like immediately <sighs> after we um, talked yeah and it was already and it's the only place you go is Alamo Draft yeah. House yeah. Uh, and it was in there for like a week. That's because they put Fast X in like seven screens. Really? And well, not yeah. that many, but I, still, I, I it can was believe just, that. Yeah, and Guardians was in there. Yeah, but Guardians was only in like two theaters. Yeah, just leave one theater for Bo. Like, just just one. Uh, yeah, it's usually our local theater does a really good job with that. Yeah. But this this last two weeks, the lineup has been all blockbusters, and typically they'll they'll at least leave that one theater, even if they're just on evening shows. Yeah. Uh, and rotating two or three movies through a theater. Uh, yeah, I was really disappointed. So we're going to have to rent it, and I'll yeah. come over and stare at you uh, right. uncomfortably. Yeah. And like, and I'll just, get you those little uh, theatrical booths. I'll just be sitting right beside you doing that. On the stick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can just hold and watch, watch the crevices like, of my face. Wait for this part, Ken. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 81. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, I guess, talk at you yeah, here in a couple some of other weeks. time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks for saving womankind, Clint. I'm doing my best, Ken. Bye. See you later. Bye.